This episode of Super Boothers is brought to you by PB Backdrops, photo booth accessories, and more. Get anything you need for your photo booth business. Visit their website at pbbackdrops.com and use promo code SUPERBOOTHERS at checkout for 10% off. Code expires June 30th. Hello and welcome to Super Boothers. I am Ryan. And I'm Ismail. And we are with the gorgeous Taylor Martin today. Taylor, thank you so much. Hi, everyone. So excited. Taylor is from the W Hotel, and we have been besties for, I don't know, three years now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a work anniversary. Yes. And I know I'm super excited, and we're extraordinarily grateful to have her here because a lot of people are always asking, how do we strengthen our relationships with venues? How do we get... Uh, business from venues, and rather than just have me and Ryan talk about it, we are lucky to have Taylor on here to give us her perspective directly from the ver- venue's point of view. So, thank you for being here. Of course, I'm excited. Taylor, how long have you been in the industry? About seven years now. Started off with weddings when I was in college, doing them for free, and then moving up the chain, and now I get paid to do it, but I still love it. I hate weddings. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Weddings, weddings, and the only reason why I can say this is because I've done my fair share of weddings. Mm -hmm. Um, They are so time consuming and taxing and it's, it's very, it's an emotional time. I mean, someone's about to make, you know, something that they only do, you know, two, three, four times in a lifetime. Yeah. So so what drew you to uh, weddings enough in the beginning that you were willing to do them for free? I think that. that it was because of the bride's reaction when it's all said and done and how happy they are. I mean, that's honestly what it is, point blank. I know the planning process, sometimes I'm like, ugh, I hate weddings too. But then when it's all said and done and everybody's happy, they're in love and it's pretty, then I'm happy too. So I love my job all over again. So how'd you transition from that into where you are now? Well, I actually moved into hotels to get more into corporate because I did go through a phase where I was like, I can't handle another bride. I just need a minute. And I moved over to the Sheraton Dallas Hotel and weddings fell back into my lap again. I think that it's turned into kind of a calling for me because I tried corporate. And honestly, I did a site visit with a corporate team and they don't care about their linens. They don't care about flowers. They don't care about any things that I care about. So it's really boring. Now, that's really interesting because there's the same concept in the photo booth industry where everyone wants to chase the corporate clients and they may not fully understand what that world is like. What did you see that was the main difference between wedding world and corporate world? And what would you tell people that are so gung-ho about just chasing corporate and may not know what it fully entails? I think in the corporate world, it's less emotional, um, which is nice in a sense. And they kind of, you know, they know what they're doing. It's not their first time doing it with a wedding. You know, hopefully it's their first time. And if it's their second time, they're still not professionals. But working with corporate, they know, you know, they know what to expect financially Weddings, you have to do a little bit more hand-holding and kind of become sometimes a counselor, you know, during the whole process. One of the things that everyone is really obsessed with is how to get a venue relationship where they just send you business all the time. How often do you get asked for a venue relationship? I would say about three to four times a week. And and these are from all different kinds of vendors? Yes, all different types of vendors. Um, Some genuine relationships and some 
not so genuine relationships. But we're talking like photo booths and florists mm-hmm. and photographers and rental companies and Yep, correct. Any vendor that anyone would hire to do any outside service from the hotel, we get a lot of calls asking to be on the preferred vendor list, asking what they can do to be recommended um to our clients and honestly, one of the best ways to do it is to actually build a real relationship with the person. A real you know, get to know them. I think it's nice to know the person that I'm working with to know that they're going to deliver for the client and someone that I can trust. How do they get to that point? Like, are, am I calling you up? Am I saying, hey, like, do you want to go to lunch? Like, how- I think, like, for example, you and I, we started off at a lunch and we just hit it off. It was a breakfast. It was a breakfast. It was a breakfast. It was a breakfast. You're right. And you didn't push anything on me just as I didn't push anything on you. It was really about getting to know each other. And then we talked about your company and what you could do for us, what we can do for you. It's definitely, you know, a give-give relationship. And I think we go back and forth a lot with favors that I will do for you, same as for me. So um, we get a lot of vendors that call in and just say, what can you do for me? You know, and that's kind of where it ends. So that's where, you know, it's a little bit harder to put them on our preferred vendor list. So I guess the lesson here is to think more long-term, which is kind of like what we talked about with uh, Brian Ginsburg in a previous episode with his customers. I think it's the same concept for venue relationships. I'm curious though, like to hear more about what does not work, what people should not do. And what made you take that first lunch meeting with Ryan? Cause I'm sure you get three to four pitches a week. I'm sure everybody wants your time. How did you select meeting with Ryan or how would you pick who you'd meet with and who you'd not meet with? Well, so the way how this one happened here is I I knew Taylor's boss and I was just barely moving um, to Dallas at the time and I had known her from easily 10 years before that and she whenever you're in hotels you move around a lot so she went to I think um, Houston for a little bit she was in San Antonio she was in Los Angeles came back to came back to Dallas I had just happened to be in Dallas at the same time. I had sent her an email. I was like, oh my God, I'm living here. You are too. We should get together. And I, I just asked her, I was like, hey, like, when's a good time? She was like, oh, just come by for breakfast, like, you know, on a Wednesday or something like that. Came by, chit-chatted with her. She goes, I want you to meet my wedding sales manager. Let me call her down. And then Taylor comes down. And at the time, this was a massive property. I mean, how many rooms did that hotel have? 1800. That is a, that's like Vegas. Mm -hmm. That's huge. So, I mean, this hotel is just turning out a lot of business to begin with. Um, and then from there, we just hit it off. I mean, I will say that it helps to solidify a normal relationship first. I think when you want to know what not to do, you know, I get a lot of calls saying before you don't ask to be on someone's preferred vendor list if you have not worked with them before. Let them see what you can do or, you know, at least try to schedule a lunch or a site visit so they can come see your stuff or invite them out to your property so they can come see some of your stuff. It's really difficult to put someone on a preferred vendor list if I've never personally worked with you. And, um, another thing is to, you know, we're all in the selling business, including myself. And so it's, you shouldn't say, you know, I'm past the point where I'm wanting to have to work as hard and sell. So I'm trying to get as many hotels to do that for me. You know, we've had people be very blunt and say that to us. So that doesn't work so well either. You know, probably the last person that will probably recommend because obviously you've given us lazy vibes already. So (laughs) probably won't 
have you up. Okay, so looking at this from the perspective of people listening, playing devil's advocate here, what would you say, I mean, this is to both of you, what would you say to people who hear that story and they're like, okay, you know, it must be nice for Ryan. He knew someone at the hotel already. There was a warm yeah. introduction. Um, I can't do that. Or uh, it's nice to hear that people for these relationships and you guys are friends now. Uh, I'm not as social. What would you tell people like that? I do think that it's a little bit like going on interviews for a job. Honestly, nowadays, it's all about who you know. And and that's just kind of unfortunate sometimes. Um, I do think that I'm willing to meet with anybody and willing to see what they have. And a lot of people aren't, though. Like right. there, there are a lot of vendors out there that are just like absolutely not. And I, and I know one good friend. She's open to meeting new people. If you make an appointment with her and you cancel with her, you're done. There is no more. Like there are just people that are just like that. Like if you work hard to get that appointment, mm-hmm. you need to do everything you can to make sure that that appointment sticks. Right. I mean, time is of essence, especially in the sales world. And I. That's a very good point. You know, a lot and a lot of people have a lot of time to come down and see someone's photo booth or see pictures from somebody. I do think it's nice if people email you stuff. You know, I really love someone that will say, here's my stuff. We would love to work with you again. Here's my email. Here's what I have. And, you know, just making a connection. I think that every single vendor will make a connection with somebody, whether it's at all the hotels that they want to or just two of the hotels that they want to. But I think it's nice to narrow down your search and focus on, you know, I have a really strong relationship with Taylor at the W, so I'm going to, you know, really thrive on that. And it's okay to only have two or three people in the business that will always, you know, tell people about your stuff. You also have to make sure that your branding and the, I guess, the venue or the hotel or whatever branding that you're trying to match still goes with your brand as well. So like I said in a previous episode, I am not good with anything vintage or earthy or natural or woody. That's just not my thing. Um, all of my stuff is glossy and glows and is like a light bright. And the W really does go with that. So the type of client or bride or customer that comes into the W is going to expect that. So I think that having that Match most definitely needs to be on the radar as well. I wouldn't go in there with, you know, oh, hey, I have a vintage looking photo booth. Like, let's just, I mean, I think one of the rooms ha- is like literally covered in mirrors. Yeah, you make a good point. It does help for your vibes to match other people's vibes as well. So we're recording in my office right now and Taylor just started kind of freaking out <laughs> a little bit. So I have these hue lights that I have attached to my to my uh, booking system. So whenever the lights flash, it means that a lead came in. Um, and whenever well, the lights and whenever the lights turn green, it means that someone made a payment. Oh my gosh! I was about to run out of here. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Your neighbors <laughs> must hate you for all the green lights throughout the night. <laughs> Although it's kind of funny because I'll wake up, I'll go downstairs, and I like I'll see like. There's green lights everywhere, and it takes a minute to register what the hell that means. It means you made some money. Money right? is green. It's it's very motivating, and that's one thing that works for me. But anyways, so one of the things that I think that everyone needs to do is I'm not one to necessarily give out a free photo booth. And we touched on this briefly with Kelly. Um, Kelly is by far more generous than I am. Um, I will say that, you know, if her accountant is saying, you know, hey, you know what? You probably should give out a free photo booth, you know, once a quarter, which I think is – 
probably the maximum amount I think I would ever do. Um, I would, however, give a photo booth to any industry organization. Um, MPI, Meeting Planners International, NACE, National Association of Catering Executives, um, ILEA, International Live Events Association. They just changed it. It used to be ISIS, and <laughs> I'm glad they changed it for obvious reasons. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, but those places where you have people that – have clients that can vouch for you, that can try out your product. Those are the places to really give out, you know, a free product, I think. I think it's important for the person at the venue too, on our end to maintain that relationship. So not expecting free stuff, I think is important on my end to maintain a relationship as well, because, you know, you're going to help my clients out the best you can when I send them to you. So in order to keep that relationship going, it's definitely a two-way street. I think that it's not just the vendor that has to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So I'm going to put myself on the line here and talk about a personal failure story that can hopefully be a uh, learning point for everybody. And I'm curious to hear your guys' perspective on what I did. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me get the popcorn and wine. Okay, go ahead. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so there, there's a venue in my area that is the premier venue in my area. I won't name them. Um, I actually got married there. And I wanted to find a way to get in there as a preferred vendor. So like similar to what you said before, Taylor, about uh, preferring people that you've already worked with before. Uh, I had a warm connection. I got married there. Not only that, they already had a preferred venue, a vendor list, but a few of their customers booked us instead. So what I did, um, I made sure that they had a great experience. I got five-star reviews from each of those customers written in detail. I took those reviews and I gave it to the contact at the venue to show that, hey, you have a preferred list. Obviously, some people don't like who you offer. Um, They came to us. Uh, We delivered a great experience. Look at the five-star reviews. What can we do to get on your preferred list? And well, let me me get your opinion before I tell you what happened on what you guys think of that approach. Should people do that? Did that make sense or did I do something wrong? I don't think that you did anything wrong. I like that you came with exactly what you needed and it was short and sweet. You weren't looking to like take up any one's time over lunch, you know, just here you go. Here's what it is. Um, to a vendor, it might come off a little bit like trying to find a nice word. Um, just tell the truth. It's okay. (laughs) Or like, you know, like I'm a badass. like these other people are bad. You know what I mean? Like I'm the best. So, but which is good. I love the confidence too, but I guess it could go either way. Well, and where I kind of smell something going on is who, who was the other person that I guess they were choosing over you? Like, was this venue like trying to like force this person on them or? No, I mean, there was no one being chosen over me. It's just that they had a preferred list. And instead of using the customers, instead of using who they offered, chose me instead. So what happened? So I was like, you know what? This makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, They have a preferred vendor list, but obviously it doesn't cater to all of their customers. Um, But the response I got was, sorry, we already have a preferred photo booth vendor and we don't have room for any more. And I want to know if that's a myth or an urban legend, or if it's re- if there's really a cap on how many uh, vendors you can work with. Absolutely not. No, I I have a preferred vendor list, and I I wait. How many photo booth people are on your preferred vendor list? I only have one. And who might that be? You, girl. It better stay that way. <laughs> I do. I only have one. But if I were to constantly work, you know, 
I like to give people options too. Absolutely. You and know, you, and you, the, I don't want every single client that comes in there because there may be a client that's not right for me or right. I, I mean, I do not offer enclosed booths. I will say most of the people on the preferred vendor list are good with different clientele. So, but no, you, this piece of paper or this thing that you put online, the preferred vendor list can be however long you want it to be. I've came from another hotel and our preferred vendor list was like 30 deep with wedding planners. You know, I don't, there's no limit. There's no rule. The more options someone has that are great people that you work with around Dallas, the better for your clients. Another thing is if there is a changing of the guard, you have someone that is in that wedding position. It also depends on how the markets are divided out by the hotel. So the hotel will, you know, either have it done by, you know, geographic location. They'll do, you know, A through L or, you know, however, Um, sometimes they'll do only social, only corporate. If any of those sales managers change that you have it in with, that vendor list goes flying out the door and the next person that comes in can make up their cabinet however they want it to be. So that's also really, really important is to not only keep those vendor relationships, but if that person is going to move on, it's nice to go ahead and know that that's going to happen ahead of time. That way you can kind of preempt it and, you know, bring over cupcakes or cookies or something to where you can introduce yourself to the new person. So do bribes, bribes work? Duh. Yeah. Absolutely. Brian, Brian took me to get my nails done the other day. <laughs> Absolutely. Taylor gave me a very large piece of business. So, okay. Yes. She gave me a large piece of business. I was like, hey, let's go get her nails done. She's like, okay. Now I get it. We And we briefly talked about this with Justin, Justin Jowett. Not everyone can go and I like I don't think I, I would see you going out and he's shaking his head without be going cupcakes out. or nails or I can't do none of that stuff. So this is another thing. So we had talked about having if you're I know that 83% of my customers are female. I think that if you cannot sell to that demographic, you need to find someone that can. So whether that is hiring a female to be able to sell that relationship easier. Get your wife to help. Absolutely. That's absolutely what you need to be doing. I mean, Did you just volunteer your wife? Yes. Yeah, actually, I've had her help out recently, and I noticed a huge difference in, in bookings. Oh, good. It made me wonder what took me so long to realize that, hey, 90% of my clients are women. I'm not a woman. so Who runs the world is the question of tonight. <laughs> Girls. One of the things that I want to talk about is the art of the deal and crafting how you can sell your product to a vendor. Now... Sales managers work a couple of ways. A, they have their goals and they have to get their numbers up. So one of my favorite things to do is to operate as a wholesaler to these vendors. And you can do a couple of things. You can offer a lower rate that A, they can extend to their client or B, that they can upsell. So you know what? I'm going to give this all to you for $1,000. You can upsell it for $1,500. To your client, they make the $500 profit. Now, now, when does that conversation enter into like your guys' relationship where you're, you're just getting to know each other, you're building that rapport? When do you start talking about, hey, I can do this for you, you can make money on it as well? Right in the beginning. Absolutely right in the beginning. So whenever you talk about your offering and they ask about pricing, just be like very casual about it. I think that the less you force it, the better. You're you're not – the relationship comes first, then the sales pitch. You need to be the resource – 
first before anything else. So you're saying that you give a lower price point to the venue than you do to the regular customers that you book directly with? Absolutely, because any of my vendor relationships are going to bring me at least $50,000 a year. So how do people, I'm glad you answered that question because I know a lot of people wonder about that and they don't know what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. How do you determine what that discounted price should be? Um, I think for me, it depends on how often it's going to be. I think that in Taylor's situation, it can go a couple of ways. So she'll call me and say, Ryan, I need a favor, which is completely fine. Um, you know, Hey, I need you to do this for, you know, our, what did we do last time? The company, the The company holiday party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what, just do rock bottom rate. Thank you so much. Um, or even I actually in the first event, I offered to do it, um, through points Mm -hmm. and, I love I love points. I love Starwood. Give me all the star points yeah, in the world, too. and I will do anything for you. Um, that's just me. So I'm I'm not I'm not opposed to doing a trade or a barter. Um, but they actually, your boss actually wanted to pay me, so that was kind of shocking because normally it's you know sure we'll do points. Um, it can work another way where hey listen, um, I really like this client. We really want to book it. The hotel itself is going to pay for this so we can win this customer. So I'm absolutely in it because I'm going to give you rock bottom price where if you acquire that customer, you know what? Maybe we'll get it next year together. Um, they're, corporate clients are very much creatures of habit. The more that stays the same, the consistency that you give them, all the better. So, so Taylor, you probably, like you said, get a lot of people contacting you. Do you get a lot of these offers where people offer... Hey, you know, get pick me and I'll give you 25% of every booking. Like, how do you determine who you take seriously and who you don't? Well, technically, you know, we're not allowed to take um, any like gift cards or any form of, you know, 25% of the booking or anything like that. So um, I've had clients at the end of the night, they've given me like a Target gift card, which is very sweet. You know, it's just a gift. It's like a tip and that's nice. Um, but I'm not allowed to agree on a certain percentage of how much I can make off of you. So I let them know that right up front. Um, And let me just jump in there because I know this is a controversial topic, but it's something that people that are not in that world, they don't know anything about it. So do, I mean, I'm not asking about you in particular, but do other people in the industry work that way? Is it like a, you're not supposed to, but you do. Um, And I I just, I just want to get advice to people listening on how they navigate that and how they know what they can actually do and what would be offensive. They for sure do. Um, this is how I would best just how I would say the best way to go about any of that is you can tell about how a person sells and how they, that's how they would want to be sold to. So let's say I'm a little bit sneaky, you know, in a way with my selling process, then I'd probably be down for, you know, 25% of what you're making and just keep it on the hush. But that's not my personal style. Um, I think that there are some people who are money hungry, 100%, that would say, oh, for sure, I'm going to do this. Um, I'm just worried about losing my job, so I would not. I've had had friends that have lost a job over stuff like that. Um, There was a rather large florist that the iPad had just come out, and he went up to a hotel person who... Uh, was one of my really good friends at the time. She calls me and she's like, Ryan, you are not going to leave what just happened. I was like, what? He, she, she said that he goes, if you give me X amount of dollars, I'll buy you an iPad. And 
at the time, she really wanted one. So, I mean, it's very X easy X number of to, dollars in bookings, right? Yeah, X number of dollars in revenue, and I will purchase whatever for you. Um, you know, back when I was a wedding planner, um, there was a photographer that I was working with, and she was she was not cheap by any means. I think that an average wedding for her was about ten grand, which that's a that's a huge chunk of money. Um, I booked her three events within, I think, a ten day period, and she got me a, a very lovely gift. Um, I still have it. And I think that that was her tactic. Um, I think where the ethics question lies is, do you think that you are doing your client a disservice by your own personal gain? Um, I don't think that I would necessarily refer anyone that I didn't believe was going to be or was going to deliver above and beyond what they were hired to do. Um, I'm, if someone's going to give me an iPad and they're pushing out a crap product, I don't think I would put my client over money like that. I I just don't think I would. Right. I agree. I, um, however, (laughs) but but, the new iPad or is it the owner's? No, 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 but, (laughs) but no, but that's the thing is if someone does an excellent product, I've used you before this. I mean, I don't know. What's your opinion? There's nothing wrong with a gift, a gift, you know, the fact that Ryan, it's a, after it's a the client fact, gift, right. Yeah. It's like, let's go get our nails done. That's building onto the relationship and just showing a, I appreciate you. And just like, I appreciate him more of a normal friends do for each other. Right. And that's the thing. I think that's the most important thing about any vendor relationship. I even use the same thing when I'm selling. I like to make a relationship with my, clients, period. So they know to book with me, to trust me. I mean, I would use the same tactic with any company, any bride, anyone who's coming to get married, do anything at the W. I want to build a relationship with them. So it just works in all aspects of life. So, so back to my miserable failure. Um, yeah. At what point do you think being you're being too persistent? Cause, and, and what should I do tomorrow to go after them? Because I'm not going to stop. I think you just answered your own question right now. I think that if you have to ask yourself, am I being too persistent? You're probably being too persistent. <laughs> I, I will note that I haven't contacted them like in maybe a year. 48 hours. Maybe a year. So this is this well, is an old story. I have, a, I have a client right now who just recently said to me, I've done X amount of weddings at the venue. One has been with me. Two were prior to me working there. Um, and I love working with you guys and I love, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, what do I need to do to get on the preferred vendor list? It's essentially what that conversation. So I, um, sometimes there's, sometimes I do have too many. Sometimes there's like way too many options on there. There's no rule against it, but sometimes it's, you know, you want to be fair to the other people that you have been working with for a long time and that have, but I wouldn't give up. Especially, I mean, I would go have coffee, make them laugh, talk to them, have fun, you know, bring over, you know, you're not the cupcake type of person, but having fun and just hanging out and just making some chit chat. I want to take you guys to lunch, get to know you guys. I would really love to work with you more. That's the approach that I would take. No, Ismail's a Dunkin' Donuts type of person. You like bring over the donuts. I mean, seriously, share the wealth. I'll be that guy. Have you ever had a client that wanted a super specific backdrop last minute? Someone that requested theme props? Are you tired of boas that disintegrate and leave a mess? Brian Ginsberg with PD Backdrops has bailed me out plenty of times. Give him a call or take a look at his website. 
He can help you with anything you need and get it shipped to you quickly. He's offering such a great deal to our listeners, 10% off your order using promo code SUPERBOOTHERS. Visit his website at pbbackdrops.com. And now back to the show. So one one instance that just happened to me about a year ago, and I guess this is this is a huge failure. Um, Why not? We're we're already getting it all out there. Yeah, I know. Just this jump is, in. This, this is the moment. This is the the podcast of truth. My turn to rip you apart. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so there was a venue. There once was a venue. Picture it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, a dark, dark place. Right. So there's a venue that is literally three minutes away from my house. And it was, I think, a Friday afternoon event. Went there, did the event. Funny enough, all the pictures that are on my website right now came from that event. Um, it's very modern. It was an old warehouse space that they painted floor to ceiling white. Um, it's very pretty. Uh, they do a decent... They do a decent amount of revenue every year. Um, they do their own catering. The only thing that they don't do is photo booth. Um, the venue manager comes up to me. We were chit-chatting. Oh, I love your earrings. Where'd you get them from? And she goes, oh, they're Kendra Scott. Oh, my sister used to work for Kendra Scott. La, la, la. And just that's just kind of how you, I guess, start really the conversation. She asked me, she goes, you know what? Next week, we're doing a open house. Would you be open to having the photo booth? here and i'm like yeah absolutely i think that i just need to check the calendar i know that i was gonna be out of town that day but i have staff that could be there you know send me an email and we'll go from there well the email comes through and i waited too long to respond to her up until like i don't know i think it was the following wednesday or something that i said yeah sure we'll be able to do this she sends me an email back she goes we found someone else but thank you so much ouch you gotta speed it up, Ryan. Speed Burn. it up. And this is the this is the thing is I don't know why because I am not one to Taylor will text me at two o'clock in the morning, ask me a question, and I will respond. I'm sorry, Kelly Williams, but I, I I'm just addicted to my phone and my notifications. So if a thing goes off, I'm going to respond. Um, I do not know why I waited so long. I think it was because like my travel schedule was going to change and I couldn't get an attendant to commit. And I mean, there was just a whole bunch of extenuating circumstances, so, but yeah. I'm, I'm curious when you get an email like that, what happens to the lights in your home? Is it like dark <laughs> and red yeah. and dum, dum, dum? Is that, is that what happens? No, I if go. Not, that should. So you learned your lesson not to do no, that. No, I go, I go, <laughs> no, I go take a shower. I listen to Adele songs at full blast and just crying, screaming on the floor. I mean, that's that's what happens. Um, do I do I regret it? Um, maybe a little. I think what I should have done is committed to it sooner and then figured it out later. Because generally, that's how my entire career has. No, Taylor just said that's how I work. My that's the way how my entire career works. Um, I think that if you if you book it, they will come. Um, I, th- I mean, that's how I got started doing photo booths. I pre-sold photo booths way before I even had them in my possession. I know, I personally know people in the industry that may be listening to this, and this all sounds great, but they are introverted and don't feel comfortable socially approaching these people. Um, it seems like it comes so naturally and easy for some some people like Ryan. What would you like tell them? Is it just something that you just got to get over? And, and do it if you want to be successful or is there other ways to go about it that they can do it that makes them comfortable 
Yes. I, I want to go more in like actionable tips rather than things that people may not follow. Than just theory. So this is a common thing is th- – so this is twofold. We are lucky to be in an industry where we don't necessarily have to have an office. I think that I maybe have had one person ask to see the photo booth prior to – to actually booking it. Um, it just doesn't happen. A lot of people book photo booths sight unseen. Um, so we're very lucky in that aspect. Um, I think that 90% of my customers, I don't even speak to. Um, it is all done by email. I think that you need to have very, very, very good email skills. And there's a lot of stuff that can actually be copy pasted. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm working on something for a future episode I'm calling it the one photo booth left email where you are essentially putting pressure on your customer that has already inquired and saying, Hey, listen, I just want to give you a heads up. We have one photo booth left and people generally respond to that, but we'll go more. In- That's a great idea. And I look forward to talking about that more later on. We'll go more in depth into that one later. Um, however, if you cannot do this, if you are not capable of doing this, you need to hire someone that can. Um, one of my jobs is, you know, I, I, I hate actually working the photo booth. It is not my strength. I, I have just been burnt out over 14 years of the same question. I, I cannot do it. I will book these things all day long. I will sell it. I will market it. I will optimize my website. That is my job. My job is to implement those systems and put those systems into place to be able to hand off to an attendant. Um, it is the attendant's job to make sure that that customer is happy. It is classic selling and servicing. Um, if you cannot do it, you need to find someone that can. I will say I am pretty much always nervous before I have to talk to someone new. Always. Like right off the bat, it just, it's a feeling that you have. Um, it's almost like riding a roller coaster. You're nervous before, but once you're on it, you're just doing it. You don't have a choice. So I think it is when you're in it, you're in it. And it's just, it is a kind of, you have to get over it type of attitude. You're in the industry that involves being social and having to go talk to people and having to sell. So, you know, I, my first site visit before I went to go talk to the bride, I was like, I don't know how to make small talk. That's the hardest thing too, because I'm not just going to talk about the venue. Like how boring is that? I want to get to know the person too. So small talk was something that I really had to learn and it happens over practice. So if you're a vendor or, you know, and you're trying to get into a venue, you have to keep trying over and over and over and over again until it becomes so natural to talk to a wall. If you are hesitant to learn how to talk to someone, don't talk. Let them do the talking. People love talking about themselves. I think that if you, Taylor's like me. Just ask uh, questions. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Ask questions. What are you missing? What are the current problems that you're seeing? You know, how is a way that this can be done better? And then use those opportunities to say, you know what? I absolutely can do this for you. And they essentially have sold themselves without you having to do any work. You made it look like it was their idea. You'll also start to develop a routine. So for example, every bride I meet, I want to know how they got proposed to. I want to know how that all happened. I want to know how they met. That takes up like, I don't know, it could take up 15 minutes of the site visit that we're just talking about how they met and all the fun stuff. So, you know, find what is your like niche to talk to people about, whether it's the weather, you know, when people get real awkward, they're like, oh, I think it's going to rain today. You know, (laughs) whatever that might be for you, that's a comfortable conversation that you can continue on. And then move into the, you know, to the stuff that you really need to talk about that involves dollars. Um, It makes it a lot more easier and they trust you, period. 
I have a restaurateur friend that has always told me they can, people can forgive bad food. They cannot forgive bad service. If you are so effortless, you care about your client, you want to make sure that they're happy. And you know what? Your printer goes wrong. I have had attendants that literally they could have showed up with their phone taking pictures and not even a photo booth and the client would have been so happy. I think that your service is most important above all. If you treat someone like they are the I mean the customer is king and if you treat them as such, if you have any hiccups along the way with your product, it's absolutely forgivable. So back to something that Taylor said earlier about wanting to work with people that were great at what they did. So let's say a photo boother, you know, sucks it up. They learn how to do small talk. They make a routine. They go in there. They give cupcakes. They do whatever they got to do. And they get their first job at the venue. What do you look for or what are some things that you see that like, kind of tell you whether that's a good vendor or a not so good vendor? Definitely communication skills um, and definitely being wherever you said you're going to be at that time. Um, and then also hearing feedback from your client. So if your client comes back to you and they were like, oh, by the way, I loved working with Ryan, or by the way, I'm having a lot of hard times getting a hold of Ryan or whoever the person is that you're speaking of, um, that feedback obviously matters to you because you're the one that recommended them. So do you, do you actively seek that feedback or does it just if they say something? If they're upset, they're going to just tell you, you know, um, I do, however, at the end of any program, I like to just know how they of course, felt about me and our service. So no, I don't actively seek it. I do. I think that's, you know, if I didn't book the vendor directly through him, I think it's a conversation that the vendor and the client can have on their own. But I do, however, know for a fact that if they're really upset about something, they're going to come ask you, who do you have? Like, who can I use? This person's not responding to me. I can't deal with this. You know, that has happened before. And and just to follow up on this, when, when you're recommending uh, vendors to your client, let's say they're looking for a photo booth, you have your preferred photo booth vendor. For people that are looking to break in. Singular. To, vendor. <laughs> for people looking to break into a venue that may already have a preferred photo booth vendor, what do you see that makes a customer willing to try someone new or a customer that doesn't want to use a preferred vendor? And how do the people use that as an opportunity to break in? Like, What are some things that make people look elsewhere? Well, or just to simply add to it or just replace that person? To knock someone off. Not even to knock someone off. Let's say that you have a com- someone coming in to do a wedding and mm-hmm. they, they, for some reason, don't like the photo booth vendor that's on your list. What what reasons would they not like that person? And that gives an opportunity to other vendors to kind of get in into the venue. Um, it would be a lot of lack of communication, I think, mostly. I mean, especially for brides, they need everybody at their beck and call all the time. Um, so that would be a huge part of it. And then also... Just the quality of a thing. So after a wedding, if someone says, oh my gosh, you know, our pictures turned out terrible. Our photographer didn't do anything. He looked sloppy on site. Um, then, of course, you're like, okay. But this know. is the thing is that if you do any of these things, nobody will tell you. You're just going to stop getting phone calls mm-hmm. and stop getting emails. Yeah. And that's how you know that, you know, you've kind of screwed up. Um, so, the, so then the other question I would have related to that is, do most people book the preferred vendor? Like, is it 90% of the time they just book the preferred vendor without questions yes. asked? Yes. And yeah. usually I would say all of my preferred vendors are people who I can vouch for, like, hands down. You'll be well taken care of. No doubt. I have no. I think it's also a little bit of, uh, it's like a personal guarantee almost. Like uh, 
there's a big thing with weddings that, you know, something's going to go wrong, da-da-da-da-da. You know, if you book off of this vendor list, nine times out of ten, that's not going to happen. And the way to sell it is that they've been here before. They know our property. If you tell them your theme, they'll know exactly what to do. Yeah. You know, and it it's kind of... Since I work at a hotel, you definitely want to promote the one-stop shop. And that is included in the preferred vendor list. I want them to know, hey, this person has been here before. It's easy. Keep it moving and worry about the other, you know, more expensive details like the flowers and the <laughs> all the other things. Yeah, it's a little bit of an insurance policy, I think. Some vendor lists are also published. I think that if you get a vendor list and you're able to see that, you know, there's a hole in this person's offering. I don't think it's very uncommon for you to be able to reach out to someone and say, listen, I see your preferred vendor list. We offer something that's not on there. And, you know, if you go to Taylor and be like, well, Ryan doesn't have an enclosed booth. You're right. Absolutely. If you're going to provide, you know, a decent product to a client, I don't care if I don't care. There are plenty of places where I'm, you know, 30 deep. On the vendor list. I do want to say that both of my, I have a, maybe 60% of my vendors on my preferred vendor list. I approached them about being on my preferred vendor list. So that's another fun fact. Um, just cause you saw their work and you're just absolutely amazed. I'm like, Hey, like, I want you to be that person I talk about. So I will when, say when you see their work, is it at your venue or is it somewhere out in the wild? Yep. It's at our venue. Usually, um, Someone who did a wedding just now or, you know, a wedding. And then I look at their stuff afterwards, mostly photographers. Um, I've approached both of the photographers that are on our vendor list. I approach them to be on it. And of course, I mean, if they're going to say yes. Um, but yeah, that's kind of backwards, but. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so one last question I had that I'm curious about uh, is th- there was actually a venue where I asked to be placed on their preferred list. And the response was that they publish a book once a year yes. and that you, you have to pay Correct. to be in that book. Is that a normal thing in the industry? And is it worth paying for that? I don't think, I feel like it's not a preferred vendor list anymore because if it's an advertisement, right? Well, like hold on, hold on. There is a venue in San Antonio where I am the only, um, photo booth vendor on that list. Um, it is a book that they do publish um, yes, I did pay to be in that book. However, the, the way how they have it, I guess, done is you have to be asked to be in that book. Nobody can, there, there can be a photo booth vendor that does an event there and says, Hey, listen, um, I want, I know that you're in this book. It's a thousand dollars. Can I pay to be in your book? They will say no. So um, how do you determine, how do you determine if it was worth paying to be in that particular book? What's the analysis that you do? Um, first of all, I didn't, truthfully, I didn't care. Um, I really did that for the vendor relationship. I have worked with those people for, you know, 14 years now, um, since the beginning of my career, um, before they even did the book. So the fact that they asked me to do it, I I really didn't care about the money. Um, if I were to answer the question, honestly, I think I've booked maybe two or three people from it. Um, which is no different than any normal year. Um, however, they do a big party. Um, it's a good networking thing, I think. Um, I, 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 I'm not necessarily against it. I do not advertise traditionally, and that is the one book that I am in. I think this was extremely valuable. Like I said in the beginning, just having me and Ryan banter about venues and relationships would have been uh, the easy way to go about it. But having the perspective of someone from the industry 
is extremely valuable. I know I learned a lot, and I hope people listening picked up a lot of actionable items that they can incorporate to grow their business. So I'm, I'm very grateful that Taylor took the time to join us today and give us advice from her perspective. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you so much to Taylor Martin for joining us today. We now have merchandise. Please go to our website and shop Super Boothers. All the proceeds help to keep our little show running. It takes so much to keep us going, and we would really appreciate it. And plus, you get all sorts of cool stuff. We have t-shirts, tanks, totes, and an amazing Super Boothers mug. It is the perfect way to start your morning. Ladies, we also didn't forget about you. We have Ladies Fit Tees as well. If you want to find out about any of the products or YouTube videos we talked about on today's episode, please check out our show notes. And we'd love to hear your questions. Please submit them online at superboothers.com. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week where we are answering your questions. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.